Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, this is Stu Hodum with Believe in the Media Guide on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? On Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, ESPN's Bristol, Connecticut studios will host the virtual 2020 NBA Draft. The first NBA Draft to be held at ESPN headquarters will air live on ESPN for the 18th consecutive year, as well as ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Commissioner Adam Silver and Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum will appear in studio to announce the first and second rounds respectively. The main TV team includes hosts Reese Davis, analyst Jay Billis, Jay Williams, and Mike Schmitz, and reporter Malika Andrews. ESPN will cover the draft headquarters for up to eight teams, and up to 60 draftees will appear virtually. In the spring, the network televised virtual drafts for the WNBA and the NFL. NBA training camps are scheduled to start on December 1st, and the 2020-2021 season will tip off on December 22nd. That's about 10 weeks after the Lakers won the NBA Finals over the Heat on October 11th in the Walt Disney World bubble, or approximately half the usual offseason. Last week, the champs announced that Staples Center won't host fans during the upcoming regular season until further notice. The team also said it won't hang its 17th title banner until fans are in the stands to celebrate. The Athletic reported that the NBA sent a memo to its teams requiring people within 30 feet of the court to register a negative coronavirus test two days prior to a game or a rapid test on the day of the game. They also won't be allowed to have food or beverage. The Athletic reported the memo went on to say that fans above the age of two must wear masks, socially distance, and undergo symptom surveys. Teams will have the option to install plexiglass behind their benches. Without fans in the grandstands, broadcasters have discussed what it's been like to report on games. Some analysts have weighed in with perspectives from players on fields and courts across the world. NBC's Premier League host, Rebecca Lowe, relayed the experience of fanless stadiums and the difference between strikers and defenders through the eyes of her analyst, goalkeeper Tim Howard. The lack of fans is really taking... Premier League into a different direction. I think what surprised me most is the effect of no fans on both ends of the field. So I've spoken a lot to Tim Howard about this, and he assures me that when you're a defender or a goalkeeper, as he was, the support in the stadium gets on your back and puts you under pressure in a more positive way than if you're a striker. So if you're a defender, you're kept on your toes, you're kept focused by the by the crowd. So maybe you concede fewer goals. Maybe you're on your game more. If you're a striker and there's no crowd, if you miss three chances, you're not getting the crowd on your back now. Now, you used to have abuse hurled at you if you're a striker and you miss three in a row. Now you're not getting that, which means that the confidence levels of the strikers are staying high. There's nobody to bring them down. And then they score on the fourth chance, which perhaps beforehand that never happened, which is why I think we're getting so many goals. So I'm kind of surprised at that. Um, as a big picture. Before Notre Dame fans stormed the field after the Fighting Irish defeated number one Clemson and the South Bend School required its students to test negative for the coronavirus before leaving campus for winter break, play-by-play announcer and studio host Mike Tirico compared events with and without fans, referencing his analysts Chris Collinsworth and Tony Dungy. When I was at Indy for the NASCAR uh, weekend, along with the IndyCar, there were no fans there. Um, well, we've done shows from the studio like the Kentucky Derby with no fans. Um, 
have done a Saints game with Chris with about 500 people in the Superdome. And uh, Tony and I have experienced 10,500 10, fans at Notre Dame Stadium. So I think each one is different and unique. And obviously the fan factor is missing uh, just from the ambiance, from the juice in the building, the excitement. I've had more players, more athletes, and more sports tell me we have to bring our own energy. We have to bring our own enthusiasm because the crowd isn't there. I don't know if, they, other than Rebecca's point about the goals in the Premier League, I don't know if it's affecting the performance of the athletes on the field nearly as much. But I do think the environment has uh, impacted going into those games and getting started. And, and the last point I'll make from a television standpoint, crossing over a bunch of these sports, I, I think it's just all unique to the event. Uh, you know, when there's been a crowd at a college football game, we, we've shown them. We've shown the 10,000 at Notre Dame. We've shown the band. The band being there actually added to the ambiance more than any of the other sports. Uh, made, made that uh, missing group of fans seem a bit smaller than it otherwise would be. Uh, I, I think it's something we're going to see for a while. I think we've all adjusted to it from a production standpoint. And I think when the fans do come back, uh, I think you'll see them celebrated um, and appreciated even more within parts of the broadcast. NASCAR on NBC analyst Dale Earnhardt Jr. talked about how strange it was for drivers to celebrate without fans who have been central to the sport since its inception. We've had races um, where there were none and races where there were a select few fans. I think the drivers absolutely prefer having someone in the grandstands to, to celebrate what they're seeing um, and there's, you know, it, even if it's just a very small crowd of people to have some kind of reaction, it is the strangest thing for these drivers. And this is all come from drivers telling us this when they work for three and a half hours to win that race and they get out of the car to nothing. It is the strangest feeling, uh, for them to climb out of the car right there on the flag, right, right there on the front straightaway under the flag stand to get the checkered flag and wave it to nobody. Um, so while that was obviously a necessity and, and, uh, and we worked through that, uh, when they did get the opportunity to get fans back in the track, no matter how small the number, just any kind of energy off of that crowd is really, really appreciated by the drivers. So like uh, Mike said, I think it's really put into perspective um, just what the fans bring to the event. And uh, NASCAR has always been very appreciative of the fans, but I don't think we'll we'll ever, um, you know, we'll, I don't think beyond this uh, we could we could we could ever take them for granted because uh, it's completely obvious to all of us what they bring to the event with energy and passion, and I believe it does. Uh, you know, it does affect the performance or it does affect the vibe and the energy and how the race is played out and what the drivers are going to do, the decisions they're going to make and the risks they're willing to take. When you have that crowd and those people, you can see them coming off the corner uh, when you take the lead and, and your your fans are on their feet here in that moment um, in that race. When that's missing, uh, it certainly has to affect the drivers. Uh, quite a bit. CBS On Course reporter Dottie Pepper agrees with Dale Jr., and she says Tiger Woods is among the players who haven't played well because they miss the fans. He's also a guy I think has struggled because he does feed so much off the energy 
that crowds provide for him. I think there, he's been a, a, one of a handful of players that that's been a, been a tough thing for. CBS lead analyst Nick Faldo says Rory McIlroy is another player who has played below his potential without fans. Faldo also says fanless tournaments have allowed him and those watching at home to hear and see more of what's happening on the course during rounds. Rory seems like he's been one of the players who's suffered from um, lack of atmosphere. You know, he, Rory feeds off that, hasn't played obviously hasn't played his best, hasn't managed to get completely on a fantastic run. Um, the other point we were making about television, uh, you know, we've been in their faces a lot more, uh, which has been great. I think we've all leaned forward and we've obviously got in closer. We've, uh, we've turned the microphones up so we can hear the, the communication with the caddies. I think that has, in a way, pulled our eyes in much more to the players. It certainly has mine, and, we, and you lose the peripheral of, of, of not having fans. Building on Faldo's production comments, CBS Sports chairman Sean McManus discussed new visual innovations that have been allowed without fans on courses. We've got a couple of uh, live drones that we hope to use um, at the golf course, and I think you'll see um, a different look um, on certain holes. So we're excited and um, uh, it's going to be challenging, but I think it's going to be really rewarding also. NBC Sports Group Chairman Pete Bavacqua says NASCAR and the PGA Tour led sports back into the world of live events without fans, who welcomed the distraction during the early days of the lockdown. As the pandemic wore on for months, he notes a confusion for broadcasters and viewers with so many sports happening at once. He looks forward to a regular landscape playing out in the months ahead. When live sports came back, really led by NASCAR and the PGA Tour, uh, you know, we did what we do best, which is bring live sports to the viewing public at a time when people need, maybe needed live sports as much or more than ever. But then when everything started to come back, I think there was a, a, a bit of a, of a sense where there were so many live sports and so many live sports occurring during times when people weren't used to it. So we saw that very firsthand knowledge and a firsthand experience with the U.S. Open. U.S. Open being uh, contested uh, always on Father's Day. Now to move that into September. People weren't used to having the U.S. Open golf in September. Now it was going up against college football and the NFL. And you had the NHL playoffs occurring at a time when they usually didn't. And the NBA and Major League Baseball. And then with the advent of the college football season, which was stop and go. And then obviously with particularly with two of the Power Five conferences waiting to start play. So it's been a difficult time, I think, for the industry to navigate, but certainly for the, the viewer. To navigate. I think it's been confusing. So I think we're starting to see a return to normalcy. Following in the footsteps of his boss and Bavacqua, CBS and TNT play-by-play announcer Ian Eagle describes how production teams work together to tell the story of a game, with or without fans, which is the bottom line for broadcasters in honoring their unwritten contract with viewers. With no fans, will it be different? Of course. Of course it's going to be different. There's such a big part of the equation, but as announcers, it doesn't change your job. And yes, there there are certain things that you have to be aware of. You don't have that compass anymore. The fans often can provide you with with the path. Uh, So it's a matter of announcers being on the same page and being uh, 
in lockstep with the truck and working as a unit and being a good team. It, it's no different than it would be under normal circumstances, but things will be unique and different when you step into a stadium that, that does not have 70,000 fans completely engaged in the action. Thanks for listening to Believe in the Media Guide. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes and find us wherever you get podcasts, including Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. I'm on Twitter at Hotem, H-O-T-H-E-M as in Mary. Stay tuned and stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.